As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. While everyone else is winding down for Christmas, The Athletic's Club podcasts are firing back up over the festive period celebrate the return of domestic football. Catch Talk of the Devils, Handbrake Off, The Phil Hay Show and all your favourite club shows now that that World Cup nonsense is behind us. All are free to listen to, of course, on Apple, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. I don't know about you, but after the World Cup final on Sunday, I was exhausted, so I tried to think how the players are feeling. Hopefully, that's a question we can answer on today's episode of Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. And uh, we're also joined by former City defender Nadam Anua. Hi, Nadam. Hello, sir. Uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, I thought the first thing we would uh, we would talk about, gents, for uh, the, the start of uh, this week's show is uh, obviously City have got uh, a fair few players returning from the World Cup. Um, Sam, first off, quick word on uh, on Julian Alvarez, uh, a World Cup winner, so, uh, so young. It's good, isn't he? Good player. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he was exactly the type of player Argentina needed as well. As Because it was funny, going into the tournament, they had a pretty settled team. And then after that Saudi Arabia defeat, everything just got shook up. And obviously the team at the end looked completely different to the team at the start. But if there's one player in the world who can do everything himself, then it's Messi. But he did need dynamism around him. Someone who can make a run in behind. Someone who can make things happen in the box, around the box, who can run off the ball. All that aggression that we've seen from him at City when he's closing people down. The kind of aggression I talked about when he signed. So in the Croatia semi-final, when Messi kind of played him in and he was still in his own half, I was like, he could go all the way here. Because that aggression he's got when he's got a man in front of him and the space behind him, like he'll just try and take him on. And that's exactly what they needed. Uh, Argentina were looking for that dynamism all the way throughout. Like If you think about the Holland game when they had... Um, like wing-backs going forward and Montiel scored the first goal and Acuna got the penalty. And they were looking for that and without Di Maria, they really needed that. And um, Alvarez was kind of the right man in the right place. But I don't think it was a, a huge shock because obviously he was going there. Everyone knew he was going to be part of the squad. Everyone knew he wasn't going to be part of the eleven. But 
he's made an impact at City. He's obviously made an impact at River Plate before that. And he was always going to get opportunities, even if it was you know, coming on after an hour or whatever. And then he's gone and done it. And yeah, I think Argentina were favourites for a lot of people, or certainly in the mix for a lot of people beforehand. His standard in the squad allowed him opportunities to to get in. And then I guess other things like Lautaro Martinez's performances, it all kind of added up to a, a perfect storm. And, you know, again, it, there's, there are kind of examples of City getting their business done early and very well. And, and this is one of them, because if he was still at River Plate now, it'd be a nightmare trying to buy him. But City have already got him locked in. But I suppose the counterbalance to that is they should have signed Enzo Fernandez as well. But <laughs> there's there is time for that. Yeah, no, Demis, uh, he really did make an impact on the uh, on the World Cup. Um, I, was it surprising for you, or did you expect that sort of thing from him? Because I, I just think of the amount of football that he's played over the last twelve months, it, like that, how he's continued to be at that level. Um, yeah, I guess it I guess it was surprising for me, um, but it's more so just because I hadn't necessarily been watching Argentina to this point, so I didn't necessarily know that he was going to be one of the main people that would be playing. But Sam, in fairness, did know, and he was telling me about that before the tournament itself. So then, when I was watching, I was seeing how it all worked, and yeah, he's he's really good. Like you know what I mean? He's, he's really really good. But what I saw with some of my friends, um, they were shocked when they sort of found out that he even played for City. I was like, yeah, that that's him. But yeah, this is him, the World Cup winner. Just in case you didn't know, you know, I don't think many people thought that City's World Cup winner would be coming from somebody who doesn't start week in, week out in the Premier League. But it's not to say that he's not good enough because we've just seen that he is on that world stage. I think he's, his style of play, his aggression with and without the ball. I think I said at the start of the season when he was at City that it sort of reminded me a bit of like a Tevez. And I think people like him because of that. And I think for the way that he sort of played for Argentina with that, you know, it did give me sort of flashes of that. And obviously the players are different. But that level of intensity, just when they seem to need it the most, you know, if I was defending he was in my, and he was in my team, you know that if the ball ends up coming to me, that they've had to work hard to get it there because he's been doing everything he's been doing. Yeah. Especially in a team where, you know, for as good as Messi is, he's not exactly, he's the, only, the one slider that's not up to the maximum is his defensive sort of understanding and pressing. So I think when you have someone like that alongside you, you put the work in, but he sees happy to do it. And he has just as big an influence, even though he's essentially a man down from that standpoint. But yeah, he did. I thought he was exceptional. I think uh, Lautaro Martinez at this point now definitely looked like a number two behind him, which is sort of hard to get your head around because I've got more sort of positive memories of Martinez or Martinez. But um, yeah, what uh, what a tournament for the guy. And now he walks back into City. At some point, once he's done in Buenos Aires, he's with a million people out in the street. <laughs> but he walked back to City as a as a world champion. And, you know, if you need a confidence boost, uh, I think that's probably the biggest one available in football, could you say? Yeah, definitely. Sam, you were you were in Argentina uh, for oh, a large spell of the tournament. What, what, was it, what was it all like? Well, it was amazing. Uh, so I was there for the Australia last 16 game and the, um, the Netherlands quarterfinal. And it was great. Like, it was just so many people out on the streets. They all just basically go to the biggest monument in the city to celebrate afterwards and there's thousands of people so the australia game i, I remember thinking at the time that they i just got the feeling that they regarded it as a game that they were going to win so and you know where there's those you know as as city fans or football fans listening to this you'll have those games where it's like okay this was like a cup competition but we thought we were going to win that one anyway like if you play in oh, i don't know everton at home in the fa cup or even if it's like a semi-final at wembley but it's 
Everton or Brighton. Yeah, it's a big win, but it didn't have that tension of a big game. So the the celebrations were great. I remember having to ask people for work what like Messi meant to them, and a girl said, you know, if you ask me, that's why I'm going to cry. And then she did cry. Like it was <laughs> like all, all that stuff. It like it was amazing. Um, and like I went to a Harry Styles concert because I thought, well, why not? Like. Harry, this I can get a ticket for Harry Styles at the Monumental where River Plate play. Like I need to do this. I'm going to do it. People were singing messy songs like during it. Like it was it was great. The whole thing. But then when obviously when I got back, I got back before the semi final, and then the scenes on the street for when they beat Croatia to reach the final, I was like, that is ten times as many people as when I was there for Australia, and and it was already like impressive and and a fantastic experience then. And like I just wish there was two of me because I'm delighted to be back home with my family because I was missing them. They'd already gone on like a family break before I went away so I hadn't seen them for two weeks so I was looking forward to coming home but I was like if you wanted to keep me here I would also be open to that and obviously having come back and seen what it was like for Croatia I just thought uh, I'd, in a way I'd rather have been in Buenos Aires for the final than in the stadium in Qatar because it was just a, just knowing that it would be the ultimate not even night out but just I mean they, they landed back in Argentina at um, three o'clock this morning their time and there was thousands of people on the streets leading to the airport. Like it's just absolutely crazy. And like I got a really, really good flavour of that. But at the same time, it just multiplied by I don't know a hundred after I left just for those two biggest games. So yeah. yeah, it was it was just like full on World Cup fever. It's always been like that. But when you add it to um, the fact they've actually got a good team and they went into it with. 36 games unbeaten they won the Copa America and all of this like it again I talked about the perfect storm earlier but this everything kind of come together for the the passion that they've got for the national team and actually having a good national team and then winning it just completely unmanageable were were people chatting about uh Alvarez and stuff as as, as well or was it just all messy mm-hmm. at that time yeah of course because the thing is and like the, this is this is the same for any kind of sports channel that's like rolling news 24-7 but they were the ones I had on in the hotel so obviously it was 24-7 Argentina World Cup stuff well obviously they talked about the other games as well but then it'll be flicking back so they'd talk about whatever was going on and obviously Alvarez was kind of a, um, a big a big part of it um, I have to say there was nothing that really st- stood out to me that that was said over there that I heard that I remember thinking you know that will stay with me or I could even use that for work um but at the same time, I was there for kind of two main jobs, um, which just like a Maradona article and a Messi article. So everything was kind of blinkers were on towards them. Um, but yeah, th- there was obviously talk about Alvarez. And like, when I spoke to people and said, you know, live in Manchester, this is my job or whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, Al- Alvarez, and isn't, isn't he so good and this kind of thing? And obviously, he's got that thing where, which Messi didn't have or doesn't have, but they don't, they don't care now, obviously. But obviously, most Argentinians who come through played in Argentina. So they all feel connected to them somehow, even if they'd played for a club they don't support. Obviously, Messi didn't have that when straight to Barcelona. That was the kind of root of so many of his problems in Argentina in terms of his reputation. He was seen as not Argentinian. But obviously, Alvarez has come through there, been at River Plate. And yeah, he was a big part of it. Because like I said earlier on, he was, he was one of the big the big difference makers. I mean, they had so many big difference makers, like, like Roger. Hugo de, de Paul was terrible in the group stage, but was really good all the way through after that and was really good in the final. Enzo Fernandez was fantastic. Um, McAllister was amazing. Like, I don't know, will City sign McAllister next year? I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it could happen. Um, that is, and same, same with Enzo Fernandez. They both got the ability to do it. Um, but yeah, he, 
um, sorry, Alvarez was just kind of one of those more obvious standout players, um, scoring goals, making things happen. And yeah, he was definitely definitely part of that buzz. Yeah, when you uh, when your um, social media turned up with uh, you at the Harry Styles concert, my uh, my partner yeah. actually said to me, uh, "What is his life? What is his life?" That was a good day. <laughs> I, I remember thinking, I remember thinking that day, fueled by a bit of beer that I couldn't really say no to. I was like, I, I have got a good life. And, and <laughs> to be fair, the next day was rank. Like the next day was absolutely horrible. Um, as far as you know, this job goes, which is still, I'm not complaining. But that day, I went to where Maradona like was born and raised basically and everyone was like oh it's really dangerous be careful ended up you know, watching like there's just some veterans league that were playing I went over I was like oh alright lads what's, what's going on here then and then just ended up speaking to them they were like oh have, have a sip of this and then just ended up staying and eating chicken off a barbecue and drinking loads of beers that was the day of the England Senegal game and I was like oh well, I want to get back for that but the way the day was going I couldn't get away but I was like I do actually need to get away for this Harry Styles concert <laughs> So got to it, and I was like, and I was like, and I, I do because I got back afterwards, got a taxi back into the centre. And Buenos Aires is mad; like it was one in the morning, and everywhere was busy. And this wasn't like post-concert traffic because the stadium's in a different part. I had to get like a twenty-minute taxi downtown. Like there was queues for ice cream at one in the morning. Like I went to a pizza place that was recommended. It was just I couldn't even get in the door, so I went to another one. Again, like pizza at one in the morning. I was just like, what? A, what a day this has been and i just what a mad city like it is it is a mad city it's absolutely brilliant yeah there we have it um it, mean, meanwhile nadam uh, i don't know if you've seen on uh, jack grealish's uh instagram uh, he's loving life in new york right now uh, who knew he was such a big fan of home alone <laughs> <laughs> isn't everyone um no i've, I've never seen go- it i've never seen it Beg your pardon. I've never seen Home Alone. Do you want to cut that bit out, or are you gonna you're gonna keep saying that over and over? That's, I've, that's... I, it's gonna stay in. I only oh, saw wow. it a couple of years ago. I watched it on a flight back, and really? I was like, it's probably, yeah. So I was probably what like 30, 31 at the time, and I was like, it's probably about time I saw this film. What else did I watch as well? There was another big Christmas film I hadn't seen. Oh, Lily, how old are you? No, uh, I am. Uh, I'm thirty five, mate. <laughs> no way. No way. No way. I yeah. could loosely understand Sam, but you, Mooney, no way. I'm there's, not there, there's genuinely a list of films that you know. You know those. Uh, oh yeah, you need to see this before you die. There's so many of them that I yeah. have not seen. I've like, got a few of them, but not Home Alone. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Behave yeah. yourself. Home Alone. Yeah, die the, hard. The, I, had to, I had to catch up on them a few years ago. This um this like winter World Cup thing is interesting because everyone obviously came back at different times and you know there's some clubs who had everyone away some clubs who had nobody away so in terms of how they'll reintegrate them it is going to be very very important very interesting I suppose it pays when you've got a good squad and uh, a sort of like an understanding football club to give you the best chance physically and mentally to be able to come back and what's going to be get get involved in what's going to be a very very tough five months because everything at this point is just you know it matters just that little bit more doesn't it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Let's talk about the uh, the kind of reintegration of these players then, because um, City have had at least one friendly. I don't know if they've had any more, um, but they've uh, they played the the two nil uh, win over Girona at the CFA. Uh, goals from Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland. Um, they might have had a couple behind closed doors. They might not. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't checked. But this is effectively now a second pre season. Um, and Nadam, since you're here and you've done a few pre seasons, I thought I'd one just two, kind yeah. of yeah, I, I thought I'd find out a little bit more about uh, getting fit for the start of uh, a competitive season um, because players always say that pre-season is hard so how hard is it what's it like um, pre-season basically the two types of people they're the ones who get really excited about the pain and the ones that hate the pain you know it's not like it's is, is it fun the only fun I remember through pre-season was getting a chance to see your teammates again and to be back in that structure but say like the first couple of weeks of it when it's fitness based it's not fun because it's like it's just exceptionally hard um, but I think what's different this time based on the nature of the World Cup is that if you think about the fact that the players finished on November 12th, they wouldn't necessarily just be off for like three, four weeks. They'd still be doing stuff to tip them over and they, you know, they were still technically in a good bit of um, form, fitness and the like. So there's a chance that for some of them, you won't really lose it because you'll probably get a few days off for a week here, but then you'll be back in training. So it's almost like just trying to maintain whilst also allowing your body the chance to recover. Maybe certain things won't be as high impact as, say, they might be if you came back in a pre-season. But again, like, things are different for different clubs and the managers are different. But for City, because they always have players who are playing international football all the time, you know, the individualised programme is probably the most important thing. Because, say, I was doing something for City in the community last week and there was a special guest and it was like Kevin De Bruyne and then he was playing in the game the day after. But then this same week, you've got other people who are in New York and you've got somebody who's in Argentina. So you can't say that everyone has to do the same thing at the same time. But they'll know that those people who are away now, they've probably played more games than somebody who was still in Manchester. So again, you don't necessarily need to go through the same sort of processes as those guys did themselves. And it's, there's, you know, there's the emotional element to this as well because there's some players who arrive back really frustrated, some will arrive back as world champion um, and then others who've been watching the tournament from a distance frustrated that they weren't there. So, you know, the motivational factor, again, for everyone is so, so different. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's I think this is a brilliant time for football because you get a chance to see how, how every team and every club does things because they do it in a million different ways and nobody actually knows what the best way is. But in time, you'll probably be able to figure out based on how the teams perform when they come back in. Yeah, Sam, we've talked uh, a lot in in the past about um, y- you get those games where you go, well, Guardiola could just bring on X or Y or Z, and uh, when like there's the emotion element of wanting to see more game time for I don't know Cole Palmer or someone like that. Um, and actually what he's doing is he's balancing the minutes of Ilkay Gundogan and he's balancing the minutes of Kevin De Bruyne and, and all the key players, Riyad Mahrez, those sorts of players. And, you know, he might bring them on for 10 minutes at the end of the game, but it's about rhythm and getting and getting them in the right place for the games, not next week, not the week after, but for the like the entire month, the entire season. It's kind of that in the extreme now, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, there's just so many factors to balance out. And I, I always remember that game at Burnley because and this is a kind of wider point on what we know on the outside versus what they know on the inside with all the whether it's data or science or just Guardiola's insight into football or whatever but it was 
just coming back off the last international break of last season, the rundown with all the games against Liverpool, Atletico Madrid and all of that, and they played Burnley away first. And Mahrez didn't play, and he hadn't played against Southampton, I think, in the FA Cup before the break. And it was, okay, well, Mahrez is obviously going to be the main guy for the Atletico Madrid game in midweek. But then afterwards, Guardiola was like, well, Algeria didn't qualify for the World Cup, and he was a bit down. Otherwise, he would have played. But I thought, you know, he wasn't in the right frame of mind to play. So now, in terms of whether it's fitness or whatever, now they're all coming back. You think, which which players, if any, because it might not be, but which players are most affected? Like... De Bruyne probably had one of the worst tournaments like in terms of his team's performance and maybe his own compared to expectations and would maybe be pissed off, but maybe the way he handles it is he just wants to come back, get on with it, and he'll just shrug it off and carry on. Um, will the England boys be especially down? Will, I don't know, will, what, I mean, how does it affect Nathan Ake? You know, did Holland expect to win it? Was going out in the quarterfinals about right? You know, will there be players who didn't win it? I know City don't have any Moroccan players, but Morocco is obviously a good example. They didn't win it, but they'll they'll be coming home delighted with what they did. Um, so just those kind of emotional factors uh, are really interesting. And then, I mean, in terms of the fitness and stuff, they've got all the the science. They've got those kind of things. The Liverpool game will help. Um, you know. The, the England lads, obviously, like Ake, people like that, people who went out in the quarterfinals, that was two weeks ago now. Um, they may start against Liverpool. They may come on in the second half. Then they've got another week for the Leeds game. And then, you know, cities, when City start the season in August, it's normally, they're normally not fit. They're normally not ready. Guardiola doesn't like to play friendly. So that was something Aguero said on one of his Twitch streams in the summer. I think he said, doesn't like to play friendlies just in case the players get injured. Like It's almost like the more the more friendly the more dangerous it is so they get the, the the fitness as the season goes on and that may lead to a few dodgy results early on in the season and maybe the you know that maybe the Leeds game I'd still expect City to win it but you don't know maybe the Leeds game will be the dodgy result and then people might start panicking as they do at the start of the season when they lost to Spurs last season and then they start hitting their stride again so yeah obviously it is like a secondary season and the first few games will be like maybe like they are in August where the team aren't quite there but there's there's so many games they come around so quickly you, you know what it's like in football it's like a week's gone by 10 days have gone by and you played four games and everything's different so it'll it'll all fall into place quickly enough and before you know it we'll be in what like the, the 14th of january or whatever with five games in after the world cup and everything's just rolling on um they'll yeah they've got enough enough good players to manage it professional enough players to manage it and I suppose the best way to overcome disappointment, which I guess most of the players will be feeling coming back, is probably disappointment because, you know, they're all big players all used to winning. They're all hoping to do something. And I know the England players from from speaking to Nedham, you know, they weren't there making up the numbers. But the best way is just to focus on what what, what they went to, to Qatar to do, to go and play and win, to come back to their club and, and do that with their with their mates and, and go again. Yeah. Um, Nadam, just on uh, Sam's something Sam said there about uh, friendlies and um, and Guardiola being a bit nervous about injuries. What what's the difference between a, a, a preseason friendly and a competitive game when it comes to to actually playing in them? Because like watching them, I I can't stand watching preseason friendlies. They just I just they they just don't feel competitive enough for me. Can you can you not? Can you, is is it possible to ever replicate the competition element? Um, 
to a certain extent, I think you can try and work on things, but most preseason games have a set purpose beforehand, whether it's somebody plays 30 minutes, 45, 60, 90 minutes, whether you want to try a new formation, see somebody in a different position. So once that becomes the case, the result isn't like the final factor because there'll be other things which maybe will be more important. And I think when you know that's the sort of sentiment coming from the management on the sideline, you know, you will play and you will take it seriously. But there are certain times where... Say in a game, for example, you know, it's not something I necessarily condoned, but it's definitely something that I did. Do you know, like you start surround referees and stuff because you're really angry. Well, in a friendly, you won't necessarily get to that point. Yeah. So it means that you're not actually giving it 100%, like without even thinking about it. You know, you just perceive it in a different way and you will take it seriously. You'll try and get in the right spot. You'll be going up for headers, going in for tackles, you know, making the right runs and so on. But when it's all said and done, you know, you, most of the time when you ask, was it worth it? It tends to be not about the fact that you won 1-0 or lost 2-1. It's more so, well, this guy ran this distance or this guy made these movements. So I could see why he's probably not into it. And in fairness to him, if that was to be the case, they'll probably just replicate more stuff like that in training. Yeah. Because there is a, you know, it might not be the same to be playing 11 versus a team you don't know, but playing 11v11 at City, let's be honest, the players aren't too bad. So the game itself, I imagine if they did play one, the quality would be all right, I guess. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think he gets here. And as Sam was alluding to, you know, they might start a season slowly, but the way football goes these days, a slow season start might be a week where they're not at their absolute best. And thankfully at this point, you know, a bad week doesn't necessarily define your season as such because lo and behold, come the end of it, you know, City tend to finish seasons pretty strong. And, you know, as a consequence, it's, it's tough to sort of, doubt what they're going for and what their beliefs are because Pep himself and those players have been uh, they've been okay for the last few years I'd say yeah and of course um, there's been like as you as uh, Sam was saying before there's been players who um, have been around the CFA and, and players who have obviously you know the, the breaks have come at different times um, what's it like it was it like in training when a lot of the team have gone off on international duty when when the, when there's not a full kind of compliment there all, all I'm thinking of is that Harland video that, that City put out where he was basically doing everything around the, the CFA on his own um, <laughs> I mean that's a, that's a bit extreme it's not like that uh, what is it like um, firstly, thanks for uh, saying that I didn't have an international career. <laughs> that's really not appreciate what I that. mean. Let's that's put not that on record. Yeah, we're not going to cut that bit, are we? No, no, let's run that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were around all the time when internationals went away. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. What was a lot of being shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I played 21s if that counts. But anyway, let's let's crack on. Um, it's different, and it depends. Like, there's diff- different levels of like club in terms of how many people go away. City obviously have a lot of people that go away you know, all the time. So it turns into a bit of a ghost town. And in my last sort of couple of years at City, that was the case. But you're left with what you're left with. And it's not like every player that is left is a disaster. You know, we're still Premier League players, David, believe it or not. Yeah, I, listen, some of the believe best players not. have had to switch nationality to... Believe uh, to, it or not. ...in order to, uh, to get <laughs> international football. Look at Laporte. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. I bet he wishes he was uh, playing for France, though. But uh, anyway, um, in regards to that, obviously I'm joking around. Um it's just different. It is just different. And you know the energy is not ever really going to be the same, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. You're just going to make do with whatever you can in that time. You know, you'd want everybody to be there. You'd want training to be, like, really, really intense. But then also, I think because this one, this this moment was so different, like, you're, what, you're still going to work and you're watching a tournament, whereas usually, like, when the tournaments are on, nobody's at work. So it's still nice to be able to have some sort of like sense of community with the people who are there as you're watching your teammates and other nations playing something, you know, like a big global spectacle. And then as things happen, you know, when you really think about it, were the, some of the players away for that long? 
not really. Yeah. You know, some might have been away for say two weeks, ten days. Like if you if we're talking two weeks, that's only maybe a few days more than a regular international break anyway. So given the fact that within that spell you've probably had some time off as well, you're not really alone for that long. I think if everybody if if everyone from City was in the like semis and the final and so on, then it'd be tougher. But you know, people would have been coming back just one by one and seeing those familiar faces would always bring us a boost and like like Gundogan, I think he's he's been back two weeks. He's he's back in England longer than I was. You know what I mean? I, I was I was there for three weeks and he was back sooner. So um, it's not always nice to have your captain back. So it's different, you know. But you accept it's part of the game. You'd want to be away with them. You'd want to be at the World Cup. You'd want to be doing well. You want to play every game at the World Cup. But you know that you can't necessarily do that. So you just take it for what it is. The club will try and make sure that you know psychologically they still keep you on board and they you understand that. You know, it's not doom and gloom just because you're not there. And training will be good. It'll be fun. It won't be as deeply tactical as say it would be if everyone was there. But it'll still have some element of that. And, you know, you still want to go into work because, you know, what's the best thing to do after you see something on TV you like is go and try and do it yourself. So to go back onto the training field and go and have fun with some of your teammates, not all of them, then, you know, that's that's the main thing. So it's not it's not the end of the world. And obviously, I had lots of years of experience of that, David. Thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, mate. If, if, if we're classing you in the shit category, I dread to think what that does to me and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Uh, we've played together, mate. You're not getting away from it. <laughs> uh, There's still, still different categories, though, but that's, that's for another point. I've got to put this out there as well, by the way. So I played in a media game over there against certain members of the BBC, of, like, say, British football journalism and so on. Some people who have very infamous names, and I can conf- confirm to you a lot of them are awful at football. Yeah. And I would say you two are a mile better than both of them. I'm just going to put that out there, yeah. I, I so the ones who taught the most, some of the ones who taught the most, uh, they can't back it, not even 1%. <laughs> Sam? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I, I, prefer, I prefer not to speak. Yeah, I prefer, speak. In fact, I, pre- I prefer not to play. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We talked about the, the players coming back at different times. Uh, the England lads, um, you know, they're they're mostly on holiday. I think at the moment. Um, where, where where do you think they'll be at for uh, for for the return? Because you you mentioned about um, Mares feeling disappointment. Obviously, England went out in the way that they went out. Um, mm. Like what what would you what would your thoughts be around uh, around the likes of Foden, Grealish? Well, I mean, obviously, Grealish looks happy as Larry, doesn't he? Um, and obviously it, it differs, but I know we've seen the emotions. We've seen with all the players crying. We've seen with the the late comebacks and the, the the late goals and teams not all the kind of goalless games for a while and then going mad at the end. Because of all those emotions at a World Cup and like Ronaldo crying and Neymar crying and all these things, it's because like the World Cup is kind of massive and probably the biggest um, tournament and that's where the emotions are greater but like, these players that we're talking about now you know have gone through that Champions League elimination I'm not Grealish obviously but gone through that Champions League elimination against Spurs and then had to play Spurs that like, three days later and then won and then gone on to win the title you know the, the players we're talking about 
and this does include Grealish, lost to Real Madrid in yeah. just shocking circumstances last season when they they must have thought they were there. And, you know, heading to Madrid, heading into the last like, five minutes in Madrid, they must have thought they were there. And then they had Newcastle, when the title was still on the line against Liverpool. Newcastle a few days later, then Wolves, then the West Ham game, and then, and then Villa. Uh, just... And and they did that. So if you're talking about how they're going to bounce back, you you'd have you'd have to be confident, even though the World Cup obviously means so much. But you've seen these players come back from like the kind of depths of football in despair, in terms of on the pitch stuff, and and come back and put it right. And I mean, maybe some, I don't know, maybe some players go away with their national teams and think the style doesn't suit them or the football's not great. You know, I can imagine De Bruyne thinking that. I, don't, I have no idea if that's true or not, but I can certainly imagine him thinking that. I kind of feel like he you, would verbalise it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then all of a sudden you've got the opportunity to come back and you think, oh yeah, like everything is set up here for me to to thrive. You know, I'm going to get this ball when I've got, well, enough time and space, maybe not loads of it in the Premier League, but enough time and space to do it. I'm going to get it on my strongest foot. I'm going to have three passing options. It's gonna be great. You know, they might be looking forward to getting back into that environment. And as much as anything else, it's like if you've ever, if you've ever had any kind of disappointment or even grief, you know, for a lot of people, the best thing to do is just get back into whatever you were doing before, whether it's it's work or anything else. And look, this is it's just football. It's just sport at the end of the day, and it is these guys' lives. But we have seen them bounce back, and I think the best way to do that is not to dwell on things, but to to carry on. So if I was guessing. You can't, you can't generalise because it does change person to person. But we have seen how they've done it before and I, I wouldn't be especially worried. And again, it's okay, City had more World Cup players than anyone else in the Premier League and I think only second, I think they had the second most in, in the world behind Barca, I think. But, you know, other other teams will have key players who will come back to support and all that. It's going to, you know, it's going to affect a lot of clubs and yeah. they'll react in their different ways. But like I say, give it like two weeks, there'll be loads of games in and i the World Cup will be a distant, distant memory. Yeah, and I, I just a quick word on Walker as well because obviously he he was injured going into the tournament, um, and he's obviously played a, a big part of England's uh, tournament. Mm. Uh, like that can only be good for him, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I didn't did see part of that documentary in the end. I missed, I missed a bit. I missed a lot of like domestic stuff when the World Cup was on and being in Argentina. But they put out that documentary on. They must have on the three England players and their kind of route to, to get fit for the World Cup. Um, and obviously, Walker, I remember being there for that uh, Chelsea Carabao Cup game and uh, um, some of his teammates, because he was in like his his own gear on the sidelines when everyone else was warming up. And he came out. And I remember Bernardo Silva like, hugged him and looked at him as if to say, like, Are you in? kind of thing. He like, nodded. He was like, Yeah. And I gave him a massive hug. And that was obviously massive for him because he was maybe thinking, I'm not going to play at this tournament. And obviously Phillips had to have that surgery in that precise window where he could get the problem fixed so it wouldn't get worse. And then if it got worse, he'd miss the World Cup. But he had to have it knowing that he'd only just about be back. But obviously he couldn't get back into the team. And he ultimately did miss it because of injury, even though he was back. Walker was in a very similar boat because, you know, an operation, I think it was a hernia. But he did come back in. And unlike maybe when he's come back from City, if we're thinking about the Madrid games last season, he kind of ended up getting rushed back hurt himself again and then miss more time but he'll be obviously not delighted because of how England went out but I think he'll be delighted personally that he was able to play was able to play so well and then a bit more of a break I guess you know because it's still been two weeks maybe three by the time he starts another game so he should have a a nice little 
run down into the second half of the season. And let's not forget, you know, people were talking about him being finished and short of pace and this kind of stuff before before he went away. So the way he come come back in in Qatar is very promising for him. And I think he, you know, he could show that these kind of these kind of takes are a bit, you know, very well, not a bit, very premature sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, Nadam, for especially Walker, um, the talk ahead of that France game was all about Walker versus Mbappe. And it's. I think it's really sad that England uh, did go out in that game because... Walker was fantastic, and it kind of it, it kind of gets overlooked in the circumstances of the game, and it, it must. It, it, I don't want to say it's frustrating for a player to to kind of have that happen, but uh, but you, you can kind of see how he'd be a, a little bit annoyed by it all. Yeah, of course, yeah, but then so would others because you know, for as good as Cal was in some some of the one v one elements that he had, you know, I thought Jordan Henderson covered quite well over there as well as the yeah. Declan Rice. So it was never really a case of he was on an island for like you know the full ninety minutes, and this is the nature of football and. It's always like my advice, as I say to any youngsters, just just be a forward. You know what I mean? Because you, you at some point you may get rewarded. Whereas the defender, <laughs> you're just looking at the clock, wondering when you're going to get punished. You know, it doesn't matter how well you're playing for this part, because in a second everything might change. And yeah, it's good to see him. It's good to see him out there. I think I was hearing that maybe he'd been a bit frustrated that he was just coming and he felt like a cheerleader for the World Cup for the first couple of games. But in the end, he got in. He was the senior figure. He played well. And, you know, the expectation was high. He worked hard to get to that point, worked hard to get the opportunity, and he didn't let him side nor his nation down. So, yeah, fair, fair play to him. And I'm sure that when he comes back between now and the end of the season, if he can stay fit and stay healthy, like, that's a big boost for City. Because at times, you know, it felt like, you know, John Stones can play there, but it's not Kyle Walker playing there, yeah. you know. So, and people prefer Cancelo on the left. So now here's an opportunity to do so. Should they have good health between now and the end of the season, all that back line, you know, I think they can go back to being as exceptional as they say had been in times gone by. Because again, I forgot like Akanji had been playing there as well loosely. So it's good to have all the the main people in the main positions back in play because then the competition for places will be high. And as a consequence, the performances will be higher. Yeah, definitely a, a difference between players that can play there and players that do play there, if that makes yeah, sense. Um, sure. We've uh, we've talked about um, uh, kind of coming back into the swing of things, Nadam. Uh, when I mentioned the idea of fatigue to you in the uh, in the build up to this, uh, the phrase you used was uh, "see if we can bust some myths about the worries that uh, people might yeah. have." Everybody is really worried about uh, fatigue and uh, and kind of how the players will be tired going into the uh, into the next few weeks. Uh, as we've said a few times, they've probably played fewer games during the World Cup than they would have done in a normal season. But then again, in a normal season, they wouldn't play, have played as many games ahead of the World Cup as they had done. So is it going to make much of a difference or will it all be very much of a muchness so far? Uh, I think it's much of a muchness. And I think as well, when we when we start to talk about players in tightness and World Cups, we're generalising on the assumption that everybody has played the same amount of games to this point and everyone's playing week in, week out and everyone's played 90 minutes and so on and so forth. Like There are players who who have done that to this point, but then they're the ones who finish seasons and play 60 games anyway. So they're probably in line with what their sort of traditional workload tends to be as it is. And from this tiredness standpoint, you know, this is the first year now, interestingly, as we've seen through discussions now, where people are being given time off in December. That's that's not a normal thing. So, you know, to be able to have a break halfway through a season, it does matter. And for those World Cup games, you know, Jack, for example, didn't play every minute of every game that, that happened there. So he was out there. It was warm weather. They were training. They weren't training during the height of the of the heat in the day. They'd be training later and they'd be managing the sort of workloads to make sure that the biggest thing that you are is ready for a game as opposed to just going through a preseason trip because that tends to be 
the sentiment when you go somewhere warm outside of like a normal football window is just to go there and be flogged basically. But that's not the sentiment there. So this idea of tiredness, like the players might say they're physically tired, but they're probably not as tired as they would have been if this World Cup would have been in the summer off the back of 50, 60 games. And then the mental tiredness could come from some of the disappointment. But then in the grand scheme of things, they weren't away for that long. And now it's just a case of, you know, the thing that will probably make you the most miserable and affect you mentally is when you come back and it's really cold. But physically, I don't think that affects you because you're so used to it. You know, this, as I think Sam's made the point like 20 minutes ago, before you know it, it'll be January 14th and it'll be like the World Cup never happened because you'll be playing away somewhere and it's lashing it down with rain. The floodlights are on at like 3.30 and you're like, well, this is what it is and this is what it always has been. And no matter how you feel, you know, if you, even if you do feel bad, surely everyone else feels bad as well because this is just the nature of football. The teams that have the best players will play the most games and those players, they get the chance to do so because they're sort of looked after by their football clubs and they look after themselves as well. So from a tiredness standpoint, I don't think it really matters that much. And to add to it, as you guys were saying before, people might be offered breaks, but some of them, they'll probably feel they don't need it. So yeah. they'll just want to get back in and start playing football because that's the thing that drives them more than anything. So to try and take it away from them by saying they're too tired, I think it misses the point. Get to the end of the season because this is, throughout my career, post the November international break through to March time, the next international break was always perceived as the most important time because this was the one whereby you would have no breaks and you'd have to be fully focused in on everything where the games would kick in more, the weather gets tougher, to get the pitches get a bit worse and everything is more on the line. So that still remains. So realistically, nothing's changed. It's just the fact that, you know, for some people, they went they went away for an extra week instead of the traditional two weeks you'd find for international break. They went away for three. Or maybe they went away for three and a half. Maybe they went away for four. But if you went away for four, you came back with something like, uh, like Alvarez. And if you came back after two, you came back with disappointment. But now you look at, say, the league table and know that the quest to get to the top begins now and you're feeling fresh enough psychologically and physically to be able to go out there and get it done like you have done in the past because that's what you hope and expect from yourself and those around you. Yeah, it's it's weird because um, I know I know being a footballer is not a normal job, um, but Sam, we uh, you must have done it. I've done it where you turn up to work and you've you've not had you know you've had a couple of days where you've not had the right sleep and you're just at, like you're mentally shattered and you like you can't put you you can't really focus on what it is that you're doing. And I, I, I'm just wondering, kind of, um, like on days like that, sometimes a change is, is is really good. And I'm just wondering, Nadem, when when you have those that those sorts of the fact that they've that they've had this this something that is different in the middle of the season, you kind of come back to it, and you are actually refreshed rather than um, rather than tired. And it's it, it's a strange thing. You've 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 maybe you've 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 done a lot more work than you would have done normally, or maybe you've you know you've uh, you're still at the same level, but because it's just something that's different, it's a, it, it's, it is a, a huge change to go from you know a few weeks of international duty and back to domestic action. That actually it might be quite easy to slip back into in, in, into the season and, and kind of hit the ground running um hit the ground running you know that's that's always a tough one because you never know how the game's going to go what the opposition's going to be like like you know you could get a red card within five minutes and then things you're under pressure and so on and so forth but when the season does restart there'll be lots of players who are desperate to get it going again those yeah. that both went to the world cup and those that didn't but in terms of say people coming back from <clears throat> the world cup when they did you know they, they'll be coming back and all the peers who didn't go will be asking a thousand questions you know, there's something to sort of unite you all, even if you weren't necessarily all there. 
maybe they all watched the final together. Maybe they didn't because some of them hate Argentina. Who knows? You know, maybe some people are rooting for it. Maybe turned on when Mbappe scored too because they thought oh, France is going to win it and so on. But it is different. And I think within football, because it's such a conservative sport by nature, a lot of people don't like change. But from when the change happens and you sort of take it in for what it is, most of the time, like, it's fine. If not, good. So I like to have these talking points now because respectfully, and I mean this in a respectful manner, yesterday I was on, I was on the radio and I was talking about Messi and the World Cup and everything else. But in the background, it was Sheffield United, I think, against Wigan. And it was cold and the pitch was extra bobbly. I was like, flipping heck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is it. So maybe you want to hold on to the memories of the World Cup just that little bit more because it was a it was a good time for a lot of people, even if the result didn't go the way that they wanted. But I'm sure some of those guys who were playing in that game would have happily been away in Doha for three, four weeks playing for the national side with a chance to try and win it all. Because, you know, they're they're doing fine, doing a great job. And also, I think where I would have struggled is if, say, you someone like Avares, he came from playing in the final two days ago to then playing in the League Cup game three days later. You know, that would be the problem. But instead, you've been allowed the time to either enjoy or get over everything that came before. And then when you arrive back in, it's like, yeah, this is familiar. This is what we want. You've been welcomed back with, like, arms wide open. And people want to know how you did. What was your experience like? And now let's get ready for the for the run-in because it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one, not just for City, but for everyone. Yeah, just a final question on on the kind of tiredness uh, angle of it all. Uh, did you ever have to have to say to a manager, um, "Listen, I'm just, I am absolutely knackered. I'm not sure I can do it today." Like, what, what, how, how, how kind of impactful is fatigue, like mentally and physically? Um, it depends. It depends. I think it's been well documented now that like Kevin De Bruyne was really struggling at the start of last season, and I think he probably had conversations about that, and you could see from his play that he wasn't, he wasn't the same. And I think they probably knew that they needed to make a change within him at some point. But it's like, it's December. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it'd be very weird if I heard someone succumb halfway through a season and say, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. This is just a bit too much. Because these players, like Lionel Messi, for example, and obviously I know he's, a, he's like one of one or one of two or whatever. Like, he's played a thousand games. Do you think he arrived there by coming in December and saying he's a bit tired? <laughs> like the people that are the very top, like they love playing football, they love winning and they love being out there and they're able to get to those thousand games because they really look after themselves. So they almost accept a level of tiredness that will exist, but they'll do everything they can to try and stop it from being a limiting factor. Like they will just want to go out and win. When you're playing football, when you're playing well and when your team's winning, it's literally, for me, the greatest job in the world. And I think there's obviously a level of bias within that. But it's an incredible feeling. So why you would choose to maybe affect that by saying, I don't want to play. I don't want to feel the feeling of playing well. I don't want to see the feeling of winning. You know, that's not in the nature of these players. I think it'd be easy for some to cut corners. But for these, they accept that, you know, difficulty within football, physically, mentally, emotionally, and so on, exists for everyone and not just themselves. Yet still, you try and find a way to do it because you want to be part of the movement. Because you never know as well for these guys. If you don't play Saturday, for you know, that might mean in three, four months' time you won't be playing in semi-final of a Champions League or something. Yeah. Or you might not be playing in a final. Like There's nothing better than essentially seeing your name on that team sheet to start a game. Because at that point there, you whether it's right or wrong, you'll feel like it's more in your control as to whether you will maintain your position within that side because you're out there. But then picture the scene of somebody sitting on the sideline 
hoping that they perhaps get the chance to be out there again because you never know. You literally never know. So why not try and just do everything you can to be out there starting? Because as I say, the, you, even though you play for the same team, it does feel different to be on the field versus on the sideline after three points has been won. Yeah. Now, uh, Sam, it's uh, Liverpool up next on Thursday. Um yeah, it's it's all, all of a sudden it's here. I mean, as Nadam says, I would be very surprised if Alvarez was in the team, for instance. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, the way I can see it at the moment, it's going to look like uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Riyad Mahrez and the rest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I, yeah I didn't pay much attention to that friendly at the weekend because as kind of Nadam alluded, alluded to earlier, it's just... That's just for fitness, isn't it? Like there was, there was nobody had any business watching that game. It was there, it just doesn't matter, does it? Like from from a media point of view, like, there's nothing to be read into it. From a fitness point of view, very important. But it was a it was a kind of mad starting eleven, wasn't it? Was it was there only two players who had been to the World Cup, and that was De Bruyne and Gundogan. But obviously, you've got Mares and and Haaland who didn't go, so that strengthens it a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, it'll be individual, won't it? If there's anybody back, you know, the, the Spanish lads, will they be back a bit sooner? Um, then, yeah, add to that. Um, Liverpool, they'll have, they'll have a few more players, obviously, because they didn't have so many who went to the World Cup and they didn't have so many who went that deep into the World Cup either. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good opportunity. Like, it's a good running for the other... Comp- well, I'll say the other competitions, but it's a good running for... The Premier League, isn't it? We said this before the draw that you know I'm sure that Guardiola would be very happy if if City drew you know United or Liverpool like a big game in the Carabao Cup because it's like is the biggest opponent you can get domestically, but not in the most important game, but more than a friendly. So it's that kind of perfect balance. So like if City go out, it's not the end of the world. You don't want to lose to Liverpool, but if you've got a warm up game for hitting the ground running against Leeds and getting three points in the Premier League then, I don't know, it's almost like the greater good. So, yeah, whoever they can get back, I, I don't I don't know if some some other players will be back yet. I've not really attuned back into the, the City way of thinking yet after the World Cup. I'm still working on some some different things. Got another one, Malio column coming up, which might excite some people working on that today. But, yeah, um, it'll just... It'll, It'll, it'll be what it'll be. And we've mentioned this mythical date of January the 14th, which I pl- plucked out of thin air earlier on. Um, it that turns feels out like the most important day. That, it's, yeah. the it's the Manchester Derby. It's oh, the right. Manchester Derby at Old Trafford at half 12. Yeah, I checked. I, was, I wonder how many games will have actually passed by by then. But yeah, it's the Manchester Derby at half 12. Having played Chelsea twice in the two games before that and then Spurs afterwards. So, yeah, like... Again, by then, it won't really matter. I mean, if City are at the Carabao Cup at the hands of Liverpool, it'll be a bit of a a stinger at the time and whatever comes with that. But, you know, it's like that, well, when whenever City have played strong teams in games where you don't expect them to, but for like fitness purposes, and then they'll go and play Wolves and Leeds like they did last Christmas, and but, but they've been in shape to beat them. They've got six points from two difficult Premier League games. It's like, yeah, we'll take this big game now. We'll, we'll get up for it. There'll be a big crowd. No one's going to turn up you know we talked about earlier you take some games for granted City fans aren't going to turn up and take this game for granted it's going to have all that kind of big match tension without actually being that important it's yeah. it, it's perfect in the circumstances 
Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, looking at the league table, Sam, five points behind Arsenal after that defeat to Brentford, which is, it feels like a long time ago now in in a good way. Um, I think it's important to remember that there is still a very long way to go. It's still, like, it, it, we keep talking about the halfway point of the season. We've actually got about two thirds of the season to go. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's like it's it's very easy to kind of get uh, get ahead of yourselves and and, and start thinking about uh, how uh, how how uh, the, how how the gap is to Arsenal. Um, but it, five points at this stage of the season is nothing. No, it isn't. Um, you know, but people know this anyway because you know if City fans have been five points clear, City fans have seen a team at five points clear towards the end of the season. You, you still never really taken anything for granted, and obviously, you know. There have been bigger leads that City have, have overcome. And yeah, like, I, I I wouldn't be worried even if it was, like, even if the gap was bigger. You know, maybe the gap is going to be bigger by by the end of the Boxing Day fixtures. And maybe if Arsenal win and then City don't get the result with Leeds for the reasons we've mentioned earlier, the gap, the gap will be bigger. But like, like we've already said as well, this is effectively, it's possible that City start this second part of the season slowly and then they'll pick up. So yeah, not not too much more to elaborate on that. It's just, it's just not a big concern for me personally. Yeah, Nadon, will they? Will, will that Brentford defeat still be in the back of the mind and thinking about going and putting it right, or will there too much have happened since then? <laughs> oh my goodness, when was that Brentford defeat? I don't yeah. remember it myself. Um, uh, I've, I've, well, funnily enough, I got to forget it was on your birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. Yeah, so I do remember it. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, I, I, those guys. Like, I think they see the table and they see the future. I think that trying to sort of think about something that happened over a month ago when like a World Cup's happened and they're like, it's, I think it misses the point. I think they'll probably rectify and watch back that game whenever they're going to play Brentford again, final day of the season. But no, that is done. What What's done is done. You can't go back. You can't change things. So you just try and prepare for the next game because the next opponent is different. It's always going to be different apart from obviously when you play Chelsea twice in a week. But yeah, it is different. They'll be over it. They understand like, unfortunately, you will lose some games. You will drop some points. You won't necessarily play well every single week. But the focus is just trying to win everything that they can between now and the end of the season, I imagine, and just getting out there, getting in the rhythm and get back to being as dominant as they has been as they have been in years gone by. Yeah, and uh, for anybody listening, if anybody's just wondering, why on earth do you know Nader Manu's birthday? Uh, it's because it's the day before mine. So uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just why it stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Right, so that brings us to an end of this week's Why Wizzles. Thank you, as ever, to Sam Lee. Yeah, wasn't Nader's anniversary on the Villa game? <laughs> I don't know, actually. Yeah, okay, yeah, guys, relax, please. Next thing you'll be doxing me on here. Please, just <laughs> leave it, leave this it is, be. This is, yeah, this is a bit mad, isn't it? But I just thought it'd be funny. I mean, look, obviously, we were talking <laughs> around that Villa game, so I thought I'd... I, I, I deliberated for a second. I thought I'd throw it in. I have thrown yeah. it in. Oh, cheers, so, mate. see you next week. Yeah, it's, it, we'll, we'll find out what I'll leave in the edit when we come to uh, to listen back to it in a few hours, won't we? <laughs> well, you won't have me saying bye otherwise, so unless you cut it from like in a previous show. So this is it. This is the only way it's going out. Only so, way it's happening. Yeah, lovely. Uh, and thanks very much to Nadim Anua. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, if anybody's interested in where Nadim lives, then get in touch. We can find that out for you. Um, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.